welcome to the With Ingram series of podcasts. This is Philip Ingram with episode two, focusing on security within the NHS. Warning, you may actually learn something. Right, I'm sitting here in Cafe Nero with John Curry. Now, I'll let John introduce himself at the moment, but we're going to talk about security in the healthcare system in the UK and, and the NHS. Um, John, can you tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and introduce what you do and where you fit in? Hi, yeah, my name is John Curry. I'm uh, currently Head of Security um, and the accredited Local Security Management Specialist for Lewisham and Greenwich NHS Trust um, and also hold a voluntary position of Executive Director with the National Association for Healthcare Security. Um, I came into this, into the healthcare sector around 2005 after leaving the military after a 23-year service um, within policing um, and intelligence and various other areas of, uh, of military life. Uh, joined the NHS and after an initial period as a drugs worker for a year, uh, moved back into, uh, into my roots of security management and uh, worked effectively pretty much in the healthcare sector from that point onwards really. Now we keep hearing of um, increasing threats to healthcare staff and um, uh, more and more difficulties with keeping um, frontline staff secure and our, our, our hospitals secure. What's the reality out there? It is very true. Only in the, well, in the last two days, um, three or four security officers, sorry, have been assaulted quite badly by uh, by a patient in uh, in our accident emergency departments. Um, and this is something that happens pretty much every day between the doctors and the nurses having to tolerate, put up with uh, abusive, threatening, racist, um, hate crime. The whole the whole gamut of uh, of crime effectively is seen within the healthcare sector. Um, and our staff, a lot of them, I don't know how they do it, but they, they tolerate. They will still always treat a person wherever they possibly can. But there comes a point where you have to say, I'm sorry, but your behaviour makes it untenable and impossible to treat you. Um, and that's where normally the security and the police will get involved um, and the, health, the healthcare staff have to pull back. Um, that person may then be either rejected or arrested for whatever crime they may have committed. Um, but we are seeing uh, a lot of police, a lot of uh, security within our hospitals and most accident emergency departments have got a security officer in place. Um, my hospital has one 24 hours a day at uh, Lewisham Hospital, uh, 12 hours a day at Queen Elizabeth Hospital. Other hospitals have them you know, 24-7 all the time. So that's a huge expense, having a dedicated officer just for the accident emergency department. When we have lots of 20, 20 30 wards on some hospitals um, and obviously a huge, huge site and real estate uh, and protection of assets. So it is, it is a real challenge. And do you have to pay for that officer? Yes, yes. We uh, Obviously it comes out of the, uh, the healthcare budget, whether it be a division pays it or it comes out of a, a central uh, security management budget, it really does depend. Um, each hospital is different and each finance department works it out slightly differently. Um, but it always comes at a cost. Um, and a security officer uh, years ago used to be seen as a bit of a luxury. Um, because there is no tangible benefit, as in there's no product created. So to pay someone X amount of pounds per hour for what is the question? What do they do? What do they achieve? 
However, seeing the, uh, the response and the reaction and the result of a security officer being present in an accident emergency department, yeah, there may be no tangible benefit, but what they've prevented and what they've responded to is absolutely fantastic. I see them respond immediately. They know when a person is um, getting uh, aroused, excited, they're starting to get aggressive. They know, they know they're regulars as well. We have regular patients across the whole of the NHS who uh, basically come into our accident emergency departments on a frequent basis, sometimes once a night, sometimes twice a night. It may be just once a week. Um, when they're on having a low period, it really does vary. So they, the, the security officers get to know their get to know their customers. Um, it, it's always difficult when the measurement of success is that nothing happens, trying to justify budget. But um, I understand that national coordination of security across the NHS, which is a national body, has been stripped away and put down to um, local hospital trusts. Um, what sort of impact is that having? Yeah, NHS Protect, um, which was formed initially as the NHS Security Management Service and the Counter Fraud and Security Management Service, um, morphed and changed into the into what what became NHS Protect. That was disbanded and dissolved in 2017, um, and it all, like you say, did come back down to the responsibility of the Trust Board. Um, some trusts have uh, really embraced that and carried on where we left off with NHS Protect. Others have um, have perhaps, I suppose, dulled it down, perhaps, or, or not have to, because there are no standards to follow, um, no agreed published standards. Um, they they don't have to. They don't have to jump through the hoops that we used to have to jump through. Um, we have, through NHS England, accepted um, as good practice, not best practice, but good practice the um, NHS standards, standard contract for providers, that's the NHS security management standards, um, and that's the 2017-18. Um, so we're still behind the drag curve in, in the quality and perhaps the, um, the currency of these standards. Um, NARS, National Association for Healthcare Security, worked on the draft uh, and published those and sent them through to NHS England. Um, however, we're still waiting nearly a year later for these standards to actually be placed in, uh, put in force. But uh, the association that um, you're on the board of is key then in bringing together the, the best practice ideas and, the, and trying to maintain those standards across the, the whole of the NHS because there's, there's no one else doing it? That's correct, yes. yeah. There is one person in NHS England who is doing their bit. Um, he's an NHS security management specialist, same as myself. Um, he is responsible from an NHS England perspective, um, but one person for the whole of the country is very difficult. Hence the reason NARS has, has uh, carried on where it, uh, where it was doing previously with NHS, uh, NHS Protect, working with security management specialists across the country, um, promoting good practice, promoting best practice, um, and also acting as a conduit for um, sharing that knowledge, sharing that information. Uh, the lobbying we're doing with uh, the Security Industry Association, sorry, the SIA Security Industry uh, Association Authority, sorry, yep, get my words right. Um, uh, yeah, the work we're doing with them is to promote a specific SIA healthcare license. Um, it is a, a completely different animal from uh, healthcare is completely different to a security officer doing a door, for example, or working in a pub or a nightclub. It is completely different because you're dealing with people that are 
mentally, physically aroused, that perhaps are under the influence of drink and drugs, which you see on the door, but also the, um, the mental health aspect that you don't see on a night out. You see a person in crisis in a, um, in a ward or in a department that you will not see out on the street as often. Um, and there is that specific, uh, I suppose, need to have that qualification, to have that, that um, accreditation for our officers. The, the SIA is very keen on promoting this and are engaged with us. Um, and it is looking like we could actually get this moving in the in the future, um, but as with everything, it is a slow process. Um, but we've certainly started the ball rolling in that that aspect. And um, what are, what are the biggest threats? What are the biggest concerns that you're seeing at the moment? You know, I I, I was reading a couple of things about where um, uh, security officers at uh, a hospital on the south coast had to go out and protest to try and get the right forms of. Uh, protective clothing. Um, I've seen the uh, reports of the impact of body-worn video from a positive perspective. Uh, What are the threats that you're seeing and what what are the mitigating factors that are coming in and what else do you think you need? Well, definitely the the ongoing training. We have no uh, continuing professional development within security management. So when you you attain your uh, accredited security management specialist um, accreditation, when you get that qualification, there is no further training, there's no CPD. Uh, It's absolutely crazy. Um, So once you've got it, that's it. I did mine in 2007, and there's been no further training since. However, as your own personal CPD, your own uh, drive for knowledge and and strive for for greatness, I suppose, um, and always personal improvement, we, certainly the association, are now pushing CPD with the Security Institute. Um, we're in a position now where, um, through the, the Security Institute and uh, the CSIP qualifications and various other um, accreditations, looking at giving this greater opportunity and greater visibility to our members and all security management specialists out there within the NHS and other healthcare providers, uh, the third sector and the private sector as well. So this way you can, if you want, continue to perfect and I would always advocate that because it's a great thing. Even our chair has just got um, the CCIP accreditation, so you know she's she's attained that uh, that qualification. Um, and rather than sit on uh, sit on our laurels, it is about promoting and getting always striving for better. Now you you talked about public-private partnership coming together, bringing industry in. Um, the other cry that's out across the industry at the minute is the convergence between the cyber um, and physical worlds. And of course, we saw the WannaCry attack two years ago on the on the, on the NHS that had a massive impact. You know, how much is cyber coming into uh, what what you're doing at the moment? Um, at the moment, NARS is not a greatly involved within the cyber side of things because that comes down to NHS Digital um, uh, and also there is a certain amount of element within NHS Improvement. Uh, NARS is not positioning itself as, as a cyber crime specialist or anything on that side. However, through our own, uh, I suppose, experience and our own exposure to various elements of cyber crime and being, being on site when WannaCry hit um, and seeing the chaos that it caused across the whole of the NHS. It is something that we have to be mindful of and good housekeeping, good good awareness around your own personal security of, of how you deal with your passwords, uh, patient data. Um, as we know, the uh, Information Commissioner would be very, uh, I suppose, very keen to progress any issues where patient data has been exposed inadvertently or uh, um, released unwittingly. 
Um, so definitely cyber security, cyber crime is, is very high on the NHS agenda, but it's not within the NARS profile of, of our work. Ours is more physical and personal safety and personal security, um, and obviously physical security of our staff and patients. And our healthcare trusts, our, our hospitals now seem to be getting bigger and bigger and bigger. They're almost like um, mini shopping malls or mini mini towns in all of the different things that you've got in there. Does that bring with it um, a, a different set of challenges? Yes, well, hospitals are. They, they bring people in from all over the all over the country. Um, obviously, our staff is very di- our staff are very diverse. But also now, hospitals who offer specialist services, um, they will have people coming in all over the country to see whether it be cancer services, whether it be lupus service, specially um, various centres of excellence. Whether it be Great Ormond Street for children, whether it be Gaza St Tommy's, whether it be Addenbrooke's, you've got these real hubs and centres of excellence which are, like you say, mini cities and they have so much talent and so much experience but also so much technology and so much uh, property and, and patients and staff that need protecting. It is something that we are always evolving and having to make sure that we keep a safe and secure environment for our staff, our patients and our visitors. And are you finding that there are technological solutions and software solutions out there that are helping um, your um, physical security staff to do their job even better? Well, definitely. The, uh, the body-worn video the, um, is something that I am a huge advocate of. I've seen it work. It, it does work very well. We've uh, been speaking with colleagues in West London Mental Health who've been trialling the use by nurses within the wards, and that's a very emotive and very interesting area because it's to be, um, I suppose, surveilling someone within, within a mental health ward when they are in crisis, in difficulty, sounds quite difficult and sounds quite a, a, a very brave step to be taking um, but we have seen and speaking to the, the staff and looking at the, the study that they've been doing it has actually been therapeutic for the patients and the staff to um, I suppose, review their own behaviours, review how incidents and issues have been handled and even patients have asked the staff in, the, in that study to turn the videos on so that they can explain what's going on in their head and what they're, what they're going through. Um, so it's actually then documented by the staff and they understand exactly what is happening. But also, um, out, on the, out on the community side and out on the, the acute hospitals, the use of body-worn video, whether it be by a mobile officer uh, or by an officer in accident emergency, they are absolutely essential. Uh, I watched one recently where a police officer... Um, tasered a gentleman who was very aggressive in tra- threatening staff with a knife um, and the, the the effect of that uh, that video was really quite uh, quite intense uh, but it was very very good to see how how people behaved how it was acted and um, it actually showed the correct use of uh, very you know very immediate force with the taser now the NHS um, uh, trusts also have a huge lone worker workforce that's that's out there does that come under your remit um are there particular issues that affect some of the loan workers that are out around the communities it certainly does funnily enough i've actually got the um one of the loan worker devices with me i wear it all the time i demonstrate it to the staff um and the devices we use um they have helped staff because they are effectively a mobile well they are a mobile phone not effectively they actually are a mobile phone that when you set the alarm off you press the button it activates a live link to an alarm receiving centre who listen in they don't speak until they can tell whether or not um, what's happening in the situation and if it is an aggressive violent situation they will stay silent 
and they will then inform and escalate um, as necessary, whether it be to police, whether it be to fire, whether it be to your manager to say, can you please tell them to stop singing? They've set their alarm off, which has happened. Um, and one lady was actually um, graded by her quality of singing an ABBA song. She'd set it off while she was driving and uh, they were giving her marks out of 10 for her singing. So, no, the loan worker devices are really, really good. Um, they're something that a lot of staff are using now. And even when you go into fl- a block of flats, the ability to say I'm going into flat 7 on, on the fourth floor or something is is really great. Because obviously, satellite technology will only say you are in a grid area and not on a, le- a different level. So they offer a great deal of security and um, comfort to the staff who feel that someone has their back. Um, and it has improved staff behaviours around being that awareness of loan working and mixed with good awareness training um, and good training on the device themselves really has helped um, and has made a safer workforce but also has allowed us to provide that greater level of um, support in accordance with the Health and Safety at Work Act and the Health and Safety Management Act. So we've got all this uh, this protection for our staff which is vitally important because they are they are the, uh, the source of the NHS. They are they are what we do. John, that's fantastic. Are there any other key messages that you want to get out to the, the, the listeners of this podcast? Um, well, basically, I think that uh, healthcare security, it's not for everybody. It is something that, uh, as I only saw a few days ago with someone who, it, it wasn't for them, and he went back to doing commercial security in a bank. Um, it's not for everybody. It can be. It can be amazing. It can be fantastic, but it also can be very traumatic. Uh, healthcare security is is for me. I love it. I travel a long way to work, um, and I've said to my wife, as long as I keep smiling when I go to work and smile when I come home, I'm happy to carry on. Um, it's bringing on the grey hairs, that's for sure. But um, it's it's something that that I am very passionate about, and certainly working and, and helping with the uh, the NARS pro, um, process, what we're doing, promoting what we do to uh, to our healthcare professionals across the whole of the country is really great. And we're now seeing more members from Wales, from Northern Ireland. We've got a great relationship with our colleagues in the international association in the states, um, but also out into further into Europe as well. Um, so NARS is something that we're doing a lot more of. We're working on um, more of the CPD, like I said, uh, we're actually developing more uh, more work for, uh, I suppose, more uh, support for our members, uh, but also getting in corporate partners so we get the industry more involved in healthcare security and the delivery and services available to our colleagues out there on the ground. And where do people go to get more information on NARS? Uh, it's on the website. If you look on nars.org.uk, that's our website. We've also got uh, a Twitter account which is at NAHS underscore UK um, and uh, yeah just really making sure that uh, you've also got a LinkedIn page um, ju- just search for uh, for Na- National Association for Healthcare Security on LinkedIn um, and you can find all the execs and uh, the association on that we do have a Facebook page but that is a, a closed group which I'm working on getting that more opened up um, because it's great to get as much uh, exposure out there and social media is so vitally important nowadays it's what we do and how we do business John it's been a real pleasure talking to you thank you very much indeed thank you very much Philip it's been a great thank you